Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Notable Peeps podcast, a series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming true. Now, there's been a little intro at the beginning of these episodes talking about Remnus Audio. And some of you might be thinking, what exactly is that? Well, it's a personalized gift that really will be treasured for generations. And let me tell you why. Have you ever had Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas roll around, and you just don't know what to get your parents or anyone else for that matter? Remnus Audio provides the opportunity for you to give a unique personalized gift. So maybe you're getting your siblings together and you're recording memories of your parents and what you admire about them. Or perhaps it's getting your grandparents to share their advice to their posterity. Or maybe it's a gift to yourself to document your love story, your child's birth story, or the obstacles and trials that you've been able to overcome. The thing that I enjoy most about audio is that you get lost in the story. You stop looking at how the person is dressed or what they look like, and you just focus on the words. With video recording, it's hard to forget that the camera is there staring you down, documenting your every move. But with audio, after a few minutes, you forget the microphones are there, and it's just another conversation. To show my appreciation for you listening to this podcast, I want to give you 40% off the entire order. So use the code NOTABLE40, and that code is good for multiple orders until October 1st, 2019. Also, before I forget, we have gift cards as well. So head on over to Remnus Audio, and I hope I get the opportunity to help preserve your memories. Hey, this is Lindsay Rager, and I nominated my friend Mary Rook as a notable peep. She spent nearly a decade writing a young adult novel, all while raising four kids and helping her husband run their martial arts school. And she is just my hero, my inspiration. So I hope everyone will read her book. It's time for the Noble Peeps podcast. Hello, my name's Steph. And today is a fun episode. So as you just heard from Lindsay, she nominated Mary And it's so much fun because I was roommates with both of them up at Utah State. I have not talked to Mary for years, so I'm excited to give her a call and catch up and see what's going on in life. Hello? Mary, hello. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Just, you know, work, work, working away. Yeah. All the time, yeah. Okay, so let's back up and let's start how we met. Let's share our friendship story. <laughs> so you moved into Old Farm, and wasn't Old it Old Farm? Wasn't it yeah. spring semester that you moved in? Yeah. So I think I was kicked out of the duplex that I was living in because the cops found out that we had more people living there than we should have. Ooh. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and I was like, I was in a bind. And Lindsay, Lindsay and I knew each other from freshman year. And when she found out what had happened, and you guys had one roommate that was moving out, so you had an opening. And I heard that Old Farm was a really fun community, and she kept raving about how fun her roommates were and how much fun we would all have. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it out. So. That's when I came in. 
And that's when you became a member of the G3 girls. G3, that's right. That was a fun year for me in college, that little group of roommates. Because first off, Candy introduced us to the goodness, which... (laughs) is the best thing ever um, has lived on I think probably with all of us <laughs> yeah it's great on waffles on cookies everything mm-hmm. pancakes uh, yep yep the goodness and we just had so much fun hanging out we did roommate road trips on do nights dance parties oh yeah I forgot about queen and, dance parties yeah and then I think we even had a ninja turtle party once oh yeah and oh I remember one time Elisa and I stole like some cardboard cutouts from some people and Harry Potter like we had Harry Potter (laughs) good times Elisa skips class just to watch Harry Potter (laughs) yes Fortnite all the things Um, Fortnite yeah it was like the funnest it was the funnest time I think my whole college life like even after that was just like just hanging out with a bunch of girls that were so much fun like I don't like I had that later as well but not quite like it was with G3 yeah and I feel like everyone was so so different that it made it fun too yeah yeah and I think we like celebrated everybody's differences too this was a really really fun time yeah well, one of the things that I remember most about you, like, when I first met you, and I, I've told you this many times, but, like, you just, like, carry, like, this inner confidence. Like, the way that you, like, would dress and the way that you, like, presented yourself, you always just appeared to, like, just be so confident. I don't know if you've ever told me that. Oh, I swear I used to tell you that all the time, or I was thinking it all the time. But especially, I remember you had, like, this cute coat that you would always wear, and I would always be like, you're just so classy, you know? But, like, but I feel like that's always been you. Like, you you knew that you had this passion for writing, and you knew that you had these interests in different things, and you just sort of owned who you were. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I was, like, I've always, like, you know, tried to love who I am, so... And love who other people are as well. That's a part of, like, any confidence, I feel like. Yeah. Well, sorry I didn't tell you that as much in college, but I thought it all the time. Um, Thank you. But so let's let's talk a little bit about your life story. So you grew up in Virginia. Manassas, Virginia. Oh, people yes. People always ask me, why didn't I have an accent? Yeah, why and don't I like, you? I was I was born in it's northern Virginia, so it's Washington, D.C. area. I live, like, um, 45 minutes away from D.C. Well, an hour because of traffic, hour and a half because of traffic. Traffic here is really bad. So this is, like, city, you know, suburban area. Still, I'm disappointed you don't have accent. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I can pull it out. My dad's from Oklahoma. There you go. <laughs> so you grew up in Virginia, and you're always, like, super tight with – you have a bunch of sisters. And don't mm-hmm. you have a brother? Two brothers? I've got two brothers, yeah. Oh, I am impressing myself with my memory. <laughs> I, I'm really impressed with your memory as well. <laughs> That is really hard to remember. 
You were always good about remembering like things about people, though. It's because I'm a creeper. <laughs> now I just <laughs> now I just interview people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always thought it was because you actually cared about people, and you actually cared about like wanting to get to know people. That's what I always thought about you. Well, that too, that too, but. <laughs> But yeah, uh, me and my brothers and sisters are like all over the um the country. Wait. No, my sister I have a sister in London and what sister's one in California. In London? Julie. Oh, cool. Yeah, who else, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're all over the place. So what was it like growing up in, I'm just asking you all these questions that I probably didn't ask you when we were roommates, but they're just sort of like what I ask people when I interview them. <laughs> so, um, so describe growing up in Virginia with your family. Um, well, I think with my family, you know, we had a really big family and, uh, well, I mean, big in Northern Virginia standards, six kids. Um, everybody was always asking me, why is your family so big, you know? And, uh, I think my go-to answer was because I'm Mormon, (laughs) (laughs) but nobody knew what that was. So, um, that was fun explaining that. But, uh, my, um, I think that my favorite thing about growing up in this area is the diversity that there is here. Um, Growing up, I had, um, there's just a lot of people that come of different backgrounds, um, ethnicities, and you all just kind of, um, growing up with that was really helpful for me to be more accepting of people, um, no matter who they were, what their background was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's been a real aid in, um, than anything that I've wanted to do, so getting to know people and liking who they are for who they are, that uh, means a lot to other people. And it's, it's something that, like, I want to make sure that my children are able to learn as well, you know, being understanding and seeing where people are coming from and that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember that about you, that you always you had, like, different friends, always of different religions, and as you talk about your friends from back home, it sounded like a very diversified group. Good people. So, Mary, it seemed like when I had met you, that you seemed to have this love for writing that you had had several years before. Is that true? Like, when did your passion for writing really come about? It was always something that I enjoyed doing. Like, when I was younger, my dad used to tell us stories before bed all the time, and he would make up these amazing, fun, silly stories. But um, for me, it like, I kind of inherited that. It was always something that was just fun for me to do. Like, um, I've got a few examples from when I was younger, where in second grade, we had a creative writing time that was um, just devoted to whatever you want to write in your journal. And then if you want to share it with the class, you can share it with the class. So when I was in second grade, I used to write all these silly stories and I would read them aloud and make people laugh. Like there was one where I was 
I call it like the worst day I ever had. And I wake up and all my hair had fallen out on the bed. And so I tried to glue it back onto my head. But then when I showered, it all came out, you know. <laughs> so I tried to read it in front of the class and they all laughed. And that was something that I like, I just loved that feeling of sharing that story and having people enjoy it. When I was 12, my parents went through a divorce. I wrote a poem to get my feelings out. Because I got really, really late one night and um, I just had this idea in my head and I got it out on paper and I saved that paper like forever and ever. And um, it just, it meant so much to me. And uh, also during that time, I started writing a lot and I I wrote stories and I, I, um, my sister and I started writing (laughs) Uh, this is a little embarrassing, but newsie fan fiction. And because um, the movie, we used to watch it all the time. And uh, so Newsies? we had our favorite. Oh, yeah. Newsies. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Who, who isn't the main character someone famous now? Um, Christian Bale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was someone yeah. that was like a household name. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. He was prancing and dancing and singing in the street before he was famous. <laughs> so wait, so you and your sister, you had your newsies stories? Oh, yeah. And she loved to write as well. And so we would write stories and, like, read each other's stories. She'd go in and she'd edit my stories because <laughs> she was older than I was and thought she knew more, you know. Oh, so she was your yeah, editor. Was Look at you yeah. having an editor yeah. as a young girl. <laughs> You have no idea. She used to edit my journal. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. She would edit your journals? <laughs> yes. What sister is this? Is this Julie? <laughs> Jen. Oh, Jen. <laughs> wait, yeah. so you would just go to write in your journal and there would be a little... like. <laughs> yeah, there would be a small word written above it as it was supposed to be spelled. She crossed out words. That's nice for your posterity, but like, were you sort of like, what are you doing in my journal? Oh, yeah. I'd get mad every time. But we didn't have any locks on our journals. You know, I couldn't. It was just like one of those three ring binders. That is so funny. Jen, stay out of Mary's journal. Jen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay out. <laughs> so did you feel like growing up, I mean, because you would get up and share these stories with your class when you were in elementary school. Were you sort of pegged as the girl that knew how to write? Like, did your classmates no. look to you as that? No, not at all. Um, I don't think, like, I mean, I remember middle school one time, um, my teacher asked us to um, do a project, and it was like, pick a metaphor, write a metaphor, and then draw a picture of it. And I just couldn't. Like every time I turned my paper, my idea, and she'd be like, "That's not quite right. That's not really quite what a metaphor is." And I don't even remember. I think it was like my room is the night sky, or my room, and it was like a like a, a picture of me with my room with a walls painted black. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, "That's not quite what I what it is," and I don't know why. I couldn't get it, but I mean, growing up now, like I've got a poem that's published 
that's going to be published in a literary magazine. So take that seventh grade teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I know what a metaphor is. <laughs> Wait, you have a poem that's going to be published in a literary magazine? That's cool. Yes, I do. Wait, did I say that right? Literary? Yeah. Okay. Just check you, yeah. you know, like, and now as we're talking, I've become more aware of my grammar and how it probably isn't <laughs> correct. I'm not a, I'm not a grammar Nazi. It's okay. Okay. Phew. But Jen is, if she's listening and she'll yeah. probably edit it and send me. <laughs> she'll, she'll, she's probably, she has her own notebook and she's writing down all the words we're saying incorrectly. <laughs> you will be receiving mail later on. <laughs> Please don't give Jen my address. <laughs> no. Um, but so tell me about this poem. How did that come about? And is the poem long? Can you read the poem? I've got so much that I want to talk about with my poetry. I don't consider myself a poet. I enjoy it, you know? Like it's like with my writing when I was growing up. I enjoy writing poetry, but I never thought of it as good enough to be in a literary magazine or you know, anything like that. That's cool, Mary. Like, so what is this poem about? Uh, that poem is about, you know how nowadays nobody's keeping their grandmother's china? What? Why, just... why aren't people keeping their grandmother's china? <laughs> oh, there was this, there was this news, um, news thing that was talking about how all of these, um, shoot, what are they called? Uh, like, Salvation Army, like secondhand stores. All these thrift stores have China in them. All this like really nice China that these, you know, millennials or whatever, they don't want to keep them anymore. They have no space for them. They want their own stuff. And so, or just like, you know, when you purge all of your stuff, you get it out of the house. Well, we don't really need grandma's China. So they got rid of it. Um, okay. So there's just piles and piles of all this um, old China sitting in thrift stores. And my mom told me about this news article about it. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of sad. And even as I was saying it, I realized I didn't want to keep her grandma's china. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I put your china really nice. Like, what does her grandma's china look like? It was actually super cute. It was like all these purple flowers and lace and like these little gold on top, just a rim of gold. But it was all these teacups. But why don't you want it? I didn't know where I'd keep it. Oh, it's more of a I, like, space thing, not a... Yeah, like, I, we had an apartment at the time, and I'm like, I, we don't have room for boxes, and, okay. um, and none of my other sisters wanted it, so... I get um, it. Yeah. But, so, I heard this story about this news article, and I was like, you know what, that's kind of sad. And I just sat down, and I wrote a poem about it from the perspective of the china <laughs> how long is the poem can you read it or is it super long it's not super long um it's just like like a page of mary do you have your poem that you can share with us about this little teacup is it a teacup or um actually this is gonna be well just any china you okay. know mostly plates that have been given away so okay. i have it right here it's called discarded we live at the thrift store now you can find us next to the dusty computer wires and old keyboards no one knows what to do with. We are sitting atop an old dresser that didn't go with daughter's decor. We are lined in gold filigree, 
wreathed in hand-painted blue forget-me-nots and only used for special events like grandfather's birthday, where son said one day he was going to grow up and be a fighter pilot. For the first Thanksgiving, daughter helped make the sweet potato casserole, or the last one, where we had our first gluten-free stuffing sitting on us. Oh, the faces we made for daughter. We were at the table that one Christmas when mom and dad said they were getting a divorce, or that other Christmas when new dad came to the table for the first time, and there for the hugs, the hand-holding, the getting-to-know-you new family jive, and it was hard to know the difference between laughter and the scraping of forks on us that day. We've seen the grandchildren. We've lost one because of them, like we lost you. But we came with a dresser, at least, next to the dusty computer wires and old keyboards. The stories stay with us. The memories remain, but we don't make any more. Messing my poem. Mary, that's so good. I'm really impressed. We well, thank you. So is this from your personal history when you're talking about like divorce and stuff? Is this taking from your personal life? No, that one is um when I wrote that, that was a completely different perspective than my own. Oh, okay. Um I don't like my parents did get divorced, but we never used fancy China oh. growing up. And my mom never remarried, you know, so that was a very different, it was just a story that, you know, the China had, (laughs) that I made it for the China. But that's one thing, like, I remember in college, like, you just have such an imagination, like, you were always coming up with stories or love stories or, like, you just are (laughs) very good at imagining. Well, thanks, I... I like imagining. I think it's fun. I always liked playing with kids when I was growing up because they were, or when I was like in college, you know, I visit my nieces and nephews and I'd just play and play and play with them because they always like thought up these crazy things like, you know, going on different planets and fighting Kaiser the Space Monkey, things like that. So you just fit right in with the kids. That's right. So in when you went to college, you didn't you graduate in English? Yeah, it was a journey to get there because like I said, I did it more for fun and I didn't think about it seriously as doing doing as as a career. Um I thought like, well, that'll never happen, you know? Like what are the odds? And I just didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence in it because this is going to sound egotistical, but it came, it came so naturally that I didn't think it was a talent. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, it's I mean, it's something that any talent anyone has, you got to work on. You have to refine whatever you have. So, it's been a long journey to get to my words where I want them to be, and they're still not right. But I didn't ever think that I could do that. And, and be successful at it and um I I don't know I kind of feel like I'm gaining some momentum you know I'm gaining some confirmation I guess from peers in the community that it's not all rubbish that I'm writing <laughs> rubbish <laughs> <laughs> well and I bet that feels pretty amazing it does it really, really does, because it's something that it meant a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, it's something that I've always used as kind of a therapeutic thing, especially with poetry. 
So, Mary, were you always an English major, or did you switch it at times? I don't remember. That's a little that's a little foggy in my memory. Well, it should be foggy because for a long time I didn't know what I was going to do, and I think I was at the I was at the two year mark where I had wasted all my generals, <laughs> or not wasted, <laughs> but I'd gone through all my generals, and I'm sweating, and I'm like, shoot, what am I going to do? <laughs> I took a long time, um, or I took one semester to take a few different classes of things that I was interested in that I never had really tried because I was scared. One of them was music. One of them was animal science. Another was, um, oh, golly day, landscape architecture. Mm. <laughs> And uh, and then I had an English class that I was taking. That was a, one of my, like another general that I had. So I was just taking it. So um, music class was nothing what I expected it to be. And I was like, you know, I don't care enough about the logistics of music. I just like singing, you know. Um, I don't want to write music. <laughs> so I didn't enjoy that. Um, I ended up dropping the class in like the first two weeks or something like that. Um, animal science was interesting, but also gross. So <laughs> I did not say an animal science. Landscape architecture, while I always enjoy learning, was probably the most boring class I've ever taken. Not as and... boring as geology. <laughs> 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 oh, why is learning about the earth so funny? <laughs> no, but um, I agree. I can see that. Yeah, like, it, uh, you know, I tried it. So anyway, um, I had a friend in the class um, that just happened to be taking it as well. And I remember we had this um, report that we were supposed to write at the end of the year. It was like a big part of our grade. It's research paper. And we were supposed to pick uh, some sort of important landmark and then write about the landscape architecture that was surrounding it and how it's important, you know, how many trash cans are there and why do they, where do they have walkways and stuff like that. My friend is like, who started your paper? Who started your paper yet? Hey, Mary. Or when are you going to start your paper? And it's like four weeks till it's due. And I'm like, what? Are you actually studying that already? <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a last minute kind of gal. And the night before he found me in the computer lab where he's like refining his well-researched, you know, month-long um, trophy of like pages and pages, right? And, uh, and he kind of is like, oh, okay, good luck. And I'm like, nah, nah, see you tomorrow. And uh, I was there late, but I got it done. And uh, a few weeks passed, and um, we got our papers back. And he got a B minus, <laughs> and I got an A plus. Oh, I bet like he was 100%. so ticked. <laughs> they were like, well researched and well written. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, this is nice. He was fuming. So that kind of clued me as like, maybe I'm like, maybe I can write, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, there were other things that happened in that semester as well. And I had been like, I'd been praying 
and I even like fasted for a whole 24 hours praying and fasting like asking Heavenly Father like please help me figure out what is it I'm supposed to be doing you know like I just I can't make a decision but I also I know what I like but I don't know if that's something that I could do you know Mm -hmm. so um, I remember receiving the answer like I did this thing where I opened up my scriptures and I just kind of pointed at something while I was turned away and then I looked at what it was and it was the scripture that I kid you not said um oh it's in DC but it's a something along the lines of wait a little longer until ye shall have my word and thou hast the gift like and I was like oh my gosh okay I'll wait I'll wait I guess (laughs) It was like, if that was not an answer to my prayer, I don't know what was. So I just sat and I waited. And um, it was the end of the semester and um, that research paper grade happened. And then I was talking with my English professor at the end of the year. And she was like, she was like, here's your paperback, Mary. Um, I always like reading your papers because they're just really easy to read. They're, you know, they're always well written. And I look up at her and I'm like, Really? And she goes, oh, yeah, like, yeah, your papers is always so easy to read. I don't, I don't have to mark up hardly anything. Um, and uh, I'm like, really? And I told her, like, you know, I've been thinking about maybe going into English as my major, but I didn't even know if I could do it. And she was like, you could do it. And she just got this look. And then I realized that I just needed that little bit of confidence you know, somebody telling me that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And that, I was like, okay, here I go. Well, and we gave Jen such a hard time for editing your diary, but <laughs> that, that might have helped in your early progression. <laughs> <laughs> it surely helped me take cr- criticism and critique in my writing after her. <laughs> That's really cool, Mary. I didn't know that. I feel like the last thing that I remembered with you in college was you had met Tim and then you must have gotten engaged and then we sort of stopped chatting, you know, like that's just how it goes. <laughs> but I don't oh really remember your love story or when you had kids after that. So just fill me in with everything. You got it. Uh, sorry for being a bad friend. P.S. Oh, I'm sure I was like, you're dead to me. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so the story starts where I was actually dating another guy in Utah and I I just never felt quite right about where it was headed. All I wanted to do was go home, be with my family. I wanted to break up with him because it just never it just never felt right. And I finally got the guts to do it. And I just was like, I just can't even see you anymore because I liked who he was, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just, I was like, this just isn't right. So I left him in the dust, basically, and went home and went to my old singles ward. And um, they asked me to be the family home evening mom for the activity night. And the first night that I met Tim, he was at a family home evening night. And he was there, and I just, when I saw him, I just had the strangest feeling like I need to get to know that person. And I'm like, what? I like look around the room, you know, and my eyes go back to this person. It's just the weirdest, strongest feeling. Like 
you need to get to know this person. And so I just kept eyes on him and we didn't get to talk that night, but, um, I kept ears on. There was something that was happening the next night. Everybody was talking about this like karaoke night. So this girl comes over and she's like, you want to go to karaoke with us tomorrow? And I was like, Oh, who's going to be there? And she's like, Oh, that guy, so-and-so and Tim. I was like, Oh yeah, I'll be there. So, so I went and I sang Johnny Be Good and I won his heart over. We talked on Facebook and went on our first date that that next weekend and like have never been apart since that day. Was your guys' song Johnny Be Good? Johnny Be Good. Is that your song? Oh, no. That was just the song that I dazzled him with my amazing singing skills <laughs> <laughs> he could not resist and then so so then how soon after that did you guys get married it was a year after that okay and then you moved so to Virginia long, yeah I was so grateful that I had gone home because if I hadn't gone home I wouldn't have met him you know were you done with school well, at I that point eventually. no I had another year Wait, did you guys do long distance or? No, he moved out to Utah and oh. he stayed at, he lived at like this farm. He started a martial arts program I forgot about at that. Um, the gym that was there. And uh, yeah, he, he couldn't be without me. He wanted to be with me. So he came and he was with me. <laughs> and, and, the, it. and then um, how many kids do you guys have? We have four kids now. You have four? I thought two. Yeah. When did you get four? <laughs> Dang, it's been a while. Well, when a man loves a woman, Stephanie. <laughs> so you have yeah. four kids, and how old's your oldest? And how? Old? Yeah, four kids. Our oldest just turned seven. Okay. Um, and then we've got a four-year-old is almost five and a three-year-old and a one-year-old so you're graduated you're married you have your first baby do you still have this desire and dream to write or is it sort of on the back burner actually there was a bit of a gap after we got married where we weren't having kids it was like two maybe three years okay where it just wasn't happening and we didn't know why so I focused on writing. That's when I actually started my book. Oh, okay. So that was in 2011. And then um, in 2012, I got pregnant with our first kid, and I got sick. Okay. I have, a, yeah, anytime I get pregnant, I get what's called hyperemesis gravardium, I think is how you pronounce it. And it's basically super throw up morning sickness that makes you lose weight and you have to go to the hospital and get IVs. You have to take anti-nausea medication. Um, there are women who like consider abortion just because they are dying basically. So mine, yeah, mine's not that severe, but I do have to take anti-nausea medication throughout the whole pregnancy. And about five weeks till about 18 weeks, I'm pretty much useless. That's rough. It's really rough. Yeah. So, yeah. So going through all that with four kids over the past, you know, 
seven, eight years. Um, that's why it's taken me so long to write my book. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You don't, yeah, you don't feel like writing when you feel like crap. So at the beginning when you weren't having kids, was that frustrating? Like at the time, like were you wanting to have kids or was it frustrating that you couldn't? Oh, no, we were, I was more focused on the fact that it wasn't happening and um, I wasn't really taking my writing seriously yet. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't until about, I think it was 2016 and my husband is one of the most encouraging, goal-oriented um, people that I've ever met and I mean when I met him people call it him coach Tim because he's just so he's just like a go-getter attitude you know <clears throat> so for someone like me who didn't have a whole lot of confidence um, and I don't I don't dream I dream big on the inside but I don't act out my dreams on the outside you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he's the kind of person who encourages you to actually go for the things that you really really want and um so in 2016 um what's called NaNoWriMo was happening it happens every November and it's called National Novel Writing Month and he was like you know what you want to do it just do it I'll wash the kids in the morning you go wherever you want to go just write and so that's how I finished my book oh cool yeah, because um, of his encouragement. And then, you know, just over the years, I'm telling you, like, you can do it. You can do it. Just what you want to do, you, you can do it, you know? So since then, it's just like, um, it's been even more and more. I'm getting more determined. And there's been some roadblocks and stuff, but I just, you know, I want it so bad now. <laughs> I'm so close. Yeah. I've worked so hard, you know, uh, starting a book at, in 2011 and it's 2019 and I'm so frustrated but um if you don't mind me um talking about like beta readers talking yeah you can talk about whatever okay so like the whole process when I started it's like I finished my book yes and now I like just gotta edit it and then I can get it out there so the editing process is like 95% of what actually <laughs> uh, the time that it takes to write the book. The editing process is so frustrating and um, it's a learning process because I've never had to do it before. And a novel is so big. I've got 127,000 words. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's all these rules in the publishing world and rules that I didn't know about. With publishers, they don't want you to have this really long book. I've got to get my book down to a hundred thousand words at least. In what order was for it at when you started? Look at it. When I well, when I finished it the first time, one hundred and sixty thousand words. Oh. So I got it down to one twenty-seven, um, and then I I just sent it out to beta readers, which are just people that are like reading reading over your work. And um, saying what they liked, what what they thought worked, and then what they didn't like, and what didn't work, um, in a constructive way, <laughs> knowing that you know there's going to be mistakes in there and everything. So that's you know why you have some beta readers. So I uh, I had most of the beta readers that I had, I just um, I just started hearing back from all of them, and um, most of them 
said that they enjoyed the book, which is a good thing. They had a few suggestions here and there, of course. One of them sent me back, like, things that I never imagined would be a problem. I don't know if you want to put this in, but, like, I have two characters in my story that are potentially going to apparently offend people, even though they're written with um, in a positive in a positive light just the these stereotypes are apparently unacceptable nowadays which is really frustrating because <laughs> they they're side characters but they have so much dialogue they're part of the story you know and there's all of these rules now because my book is a young adult book and there's stuff out on twitter now where like you can't say this and you can't say that um, and they're they're like protesting these books that have come out and having them just removed from the shelves and they've ruined these authors' lives um, or careers because of the things that, you know, they've claimed. And it's just this group on Twitter, you know? So hearing that, I mean, that's frustrating because you're, so you're still in this editing process because when I had told you like Lindsay had nominated you, you're like, well, it's not published yet. I'm like, I don't care if it's not published yet. Like, you wrote a book and it's being edited. Like, and that's been a dream you've had forever. I'm like, that's awesome. But I, as you're talking, I'm like, that's frustrating, especially if you have to take out these two characters and re-edit. Like, it can yeah. feel very discouraging at times. It, yeah, it's... um after I got that review back, I was like, okay, I give up. <laughs> it was brutal. Don't give up, Mary. Um, well, I've, you know, I've since decided, but I did get my thoughts out and my feelings out in a poem, which Ooh. is what I, which is what I do. So what's, what is the title of your book? What is it about? Right now, they call it Work in Progress. My work in progress is called, so this is the first book in a series that's called the Nebula series. And the first book is titled The Threshold Concept. So is so, this romance? Nebula, um, I mean, there's a bit of romance in there. I feel like with uh, with any anything that I read or watch, I want like a little bit of romance in there just for fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so... It's uh, it's about a girl who loves science. Her father's an astronomer. You know, she's grown up in a family of, you know, some intelligent people. One day she moves a cloud in the sky with her hand. And, like, all these, like, things start happening to her. And she realizes that she's getting these abilities. And um, she starts to injure people around her because she can't control what's happening to her she doesn't understand what's happening to her and finds out there's this whole um world of people that gain abilities from something that they love and that they're good at like um for her she loves um oh i can't give anything away i will say there is a person in this city that she goes to whose ability um, has to do with music. And they 
they grew up as a talented musician and so they studied and they studied but they also loved it deeply and because they loved it deeply and they studied they were able to um, have this gift and talent where they can just feel people's feelings and then um, play a song like about their life oh cool it's like a movie reel about your life that's what I've always hoped in heaven that I'll get up there and just have a little song with a little highlight of my life. The good parts only. Yeah. So this is like a symphony, like a symphony of your life, you know? And so this is like, um, this, that's the ability that this person has. And then this person can sense what you're craving and make it for you in like split seconds. And because they love to cook, you know, that's their talent. And then while, while she's there, she realizes people, they share their talents. And so everybody's learning all these different powers. Then, you know, there's like an evil dude and he's stealing people and she's got to save people. <laughs> there's conflict in there, but. Yeah. It sounds cool though. Like I just, I love that you're able to imagine up this whole different world and that you're able to put it all in however I forget how many words you said that is that are written for this book you know 127,000 right now 127,000 words that you wrote that Jen hasn't edited (laughs) she's gonna hate that you told me that because I've used her name way too much she knows she did it So, Mary, I know that you're in the midst of this struggle with getting it published and still at times feeling discouraged. I just did an episode a couple weeks ago where I'm in the middle of a struggle right now with the eating disorder and just like being like, sometimes you don't want to share your story when you're in the middle, you know, you want to, you want to share when you're like, this is my published book, you know, but what's your advice to someone that is maybe in the middle of their goal? They aren't to that finish line yet. That's completely that it's all the way completed, they're at that 60, 70, 75%, and that 100% feels so far away? That is such a good question. As far as that kind of advice goes, and I think you would probably agree that that voice in your head that is telling you you can't do it is always going to be there, but you can't listen to it because whatever you're doing is important whether it's important for you yourself or important for somebody else out there who needs to hear your story because they are in the same place that you are. So what you're doing is important. And don't listen to that voice that says you can't because you can't. So it's interesting because I was just reading this book, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel. I don't remember your last name, Rachel. But anyways, it's a common book. I don't know if you've read it. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of it, no. Okay, well, she gives this piece of advice. And as you're in, I am i don't even know why I'm sharing this advice with you, but as you're in this process of your editing okay. before you give it to a publisher, I thought that this advice is really great. Because her first book, she like put out there and all the publishers told her, mm, the character in it is too nice. Like no one's going to run and read this. And so no publisher accepted it, and she went and she self-published it. And then all these publishers came back, like, wanting her book. She's like, I knew that my book was good enough. She's like, so I just went for it. And I I think that that is just, like, a cool concept, too, because 
because like you you don't know where it will go but yeah I just read that little tidbit and I was like yeah that, she's like she had invest first in her book of being like no I know that people are going to want to read this and people did you know yeah thank you for telling me that I'm so excited for you with this goal of yours to publish your book and if any of you are listening and your publishers or <laughs> I don't know what else there is out there in the literary, literary world agent. <laughs> and do you want to contact Mary? Her email and her Facebook are w- what? My email is mary at rookbook uh, at gmail.com. And I have an Instagram account that I'm pretty active in. And it, my handle is Mary Rook Writes a Book. Ooh. And Rook is just R O O K, right? Yeah, just like a check piece. So, yeah, contact Mary or if you want to have more of her poems or just to say hi, um, contact her that way. I'm probably a pretty friendly gal. Well, thanks so much for all you that are listening. And remember to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe that with God, all things are possible. Thanks so much for pushing play and listening to this episode. For more information about today's guests or to submit a nomination for a remarkable person that you would like to hear interviewed, head on over to NotablePeeps.com. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. If you're loving listening to other people's stories here on this podcast, then maybe it's time to start recording your own. Head on over to reminisaudio.com and take the hard work out of preserving your memories.